0: The first Samuel, the 18th chapter, and I invite you to please join me there in your Bible as well. We're going into our Old Testament, the first Samuel, the 18th chapter, and we're going to read starting with verse number one. in First Samuel 18 and verse one, the Bible says, now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul and the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him, and he prospered, and Saul set him over the men of war, and it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. It happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul became very angry for this saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Saul looked at David from, with suspicion from that day on. Now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul. And he raved in the midst of the house while David was playing the harp with his hand as usual. And a spear was in Saul's hand. Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David, for the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed from his presence, removed him from his presence, and appointed him as the commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. David was prospering in all his ways, for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he was prospering greatly, he dreaded him. for all Israel and Judah loved David, and he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter Merib. I will give her to you as a wife, only be a valiant man for me, and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, My hand shall not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. But David said to Saul, Who am I? And what is my life for my father's family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? So it came about at the time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David that she was given to Adriel, the Maholothite, for a wife. Life. Life is often one big roller coaster ride. Life is often one big roller coaster ride. It is full of peaks and valleys, highs and lows, ups and downs, good times and bad times. If there was anyone in the Bible that we could read about who seemed to understand that at a very high level, it would have to be this man that we've been reading and studying about for the past few months. It would have to be this man after God's own heart. It would have to be David. For those of you who are part of this church family, the Monte Vista Church family, if you remember last month in our study about David, we saw him experience a great victory by the hand of God. Remember, by the hand of God, David, as a teenage shepherd boy, had the courage to meet the Philistine giant Goliath out on the battlefield in the valley of Elah, and he defeated him. He killed him. He brought him to the ground with a slingshot and then he cut off his head. This victory inspired the entire army of Israel to rise up and gain faith and zeal and courage and begin pursuing the Philistines all the way back to the gates of their city. This was an amazingly high moment in David's life, one that would actually mark the beginning of his popularity and exaltation in Israel. You see, from here on, from here on, the people of Israel will begin falling in love with David. They would begin to respect David and admire David. They would begin to sing his praises and view him as a mighty warrior of God. In fact, beyond the people of the kingdom of Israel admiring David, you know who else would begin to admire him? It would be Saul. Saul would initially admire David. He would initially respect David and want to be very close to David, but it wouldn't take long before that changed. It wouldn't take long before Saul would become jealous. And envious and suspicious, and he would resent David. He would seek to kill David. He would seek to stop David's success and bring him down. That is exactly what we find going on here. In this chapter before us this morning in 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter, you see here in 1 Samuel 18, after defeating the Philistine giant Goliath and after being brought before King Saul and being put on his royal court, the Holy Spirit tells us, a few other critical things about this portion of David's life among these things included developing a close friendship with a man named Jonathan becoming very popular and successful as a warrior and deliverer in Israel and making King Saul jealous and angry and suspicious of him as a result. In fact, Saul will become so jealous And so suspicious and angry and paranoid when it came to David that he would become David's enemy. He he would actually become David's royal enemy. The most powerful man in Israel, the king of God's people would be against David. He would hate David. He would resent David. He would be determined to do all he could to stop David and destroy David and hinder David from being successful. And the question is, the question is, is what is David going to do? How how is David going to get through this? How is David going to overcome this jealous and envious and hateful king? Well, I submit that there are at least three things. There are at least three things that David is going to do to get through this very rough time in his life. And the first thing he's going to do is he's going to pick a great friend. He's going to pick a great friend. He's going to pick a godly friend, a righteous friend, a friend who's going to stick by him during both the good times and the bad times. That is exactly how the Bible describes Jonathan. You see that man, Jonathan, that is mentioned in the first few verses of 1 Samuel 18. Who was Jonathan? Well, Jonathan, Jonathan was one of the sons of Saul. Jonathan was one of the sons of the king, but but he wasn't anything like his daddy. He he wasn't an insecure, wicked Paranoid, jealous and corrupt man. Instead, the Bible says that Jonathan was a man of integrity. Jonathan was a man of character. Jonathan was a man who had great faith and trust and courage in God. He was someone who, after David defeated Goliath, he would become David's best friend. He he would love David. He would stand by David. He would even try to protect David. Against his father Saul, because he knew that David was a righteous man who served the Lord. I think we see that as early as verse number one in this chapter. Going back to verse number one of this chapter, notice how verse one says that that David and Jonathan's souls were knit together. What does that mean? Well, the idea of having souls that were knit together means that they were connected on a very deep level. It means that they had kindred spirits. It means they both loved each other and they served God and they served one another and they had great faith in God. They loved each other like brothers. They loved each other like family. They loved each other with a very strong and intense kind of love. In fact, verse number one says that Jonathan loved David so much that he loved him as himself. He loved him as himself. He didn't feel the same way about David as Saul did. He didn't hate David. He didn't resent David. He wasn't jealous of David. He didn't try to harm, kill, and destroy David. In fact, if you go home and read 1 Samuel chapter 20, what you're going to find in that chapter is there was an occasion where Jonathan promised to protect David from his wicked father Saul And he also made David promise not to wipe his family out whenever he became the king. That's a very interesting request that Jonathan makes of David because it shows us that Jonathan knew about the promise of God. He knew about God's will for David. He knew that David was going to be the next king of Israel. And he accepted that. Unlike his father. Jonathan accepted the will of God. He accepted God's choice to be the next king. In fact, he even acted in faith by trying to protect David and help this come to pass. Jonathan was an amazing friend, amazing friend to David during a rough time. And I wonder at times just how different David's life would have been if Jonathan had been able to live and be next to him when David was the king. I wonder what David would have done if Jonathan had been with him. And he looked and saw Bathsheba and desired her. I'm pretty sure that that probably would not have happened. Because Jonathan would have said, you can't do that. Jonathan was an amazing friend. And here's my question. My question for you is, do you have somebody like that in your life? Do you have a Jonathan in your life? I mean, right now in your life, do you have a friend who sticks closer to you than a brother, like Solomon talks about in Proverbs 18, 24. Right now, do you have a friend who truly loves you and cares about you and comforts you during the difficult times? Right now, do you have a friend who loves the Lord just as much as you love the Lord? Do you have a friend who trusts God just as much as you trust God? They have just as much faith in God. They get repulsed by sin just as much as you get repulsed by sin. They help make you better. They help make you better in the service of God whenever your faith starts to waver. Whenever your faith starts to get weak, do you have a friend who reminds you of the promises and the blessings of God? Do you have a friend who inspires you to keep going and persevere and press on in the cause of God? Do you have a friend in your life right now that you can read the Bible with? And you can pray with and you can worship with and you can defend the truth with. Do you have a friend right now who whenever you start getting out of bounds, whenever you start getting away from the will of God, they bring you back in? They wake you up. They hold you accountable. They don't endorse some sin or evil behavior that you're engaged in, but they demonstrate real love for you by urging you to repent and come back to the Lord. Do you have a friend like that right now in your life? The Bible says that David did. David had a friend like that, doing a very difficult and trying time in his life. He had a real friend. He had a godly friend. He had Jonathan. He had someone who stuck by him and encouraged him in the Lord. But not only did he have a great friend, you know what else he had? He also had a great God. He served a great God. He served a great God who was determined. God was determined to make him successful no matter how much Saul tried to stand in his way. And this is something that the writer of 1 Samuel really tries to emphasize to us over and over again. Did you notice that in the text? Go back to the text. Look at verse number five again in 1 Samuel 18 in verse number five. And in chapter 18 and verse 5, it says, So David went out wherever Saul sent him, and he what? He prospered. He prospered, the Bible says, and Saul set him over the men of war. Drop down to verse number 10, please. In verse number 10, it says, Now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul, and he raved in the midst of the house while David was playing the harp with his hand as usual, and a spear was in Saul's hand. Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall, but David escaped from his presence twice, Now Saul was afraid of David. Why are you afraid of David, King Saul? For the Lord. The Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Drop down to verse 14. Verse 14 says David was prospering in all his ways, for the Lord was with him. Drop down to verse number 28 of the same chapter. Verse 28 says, when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David. Saul could see this and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Then Saul was even more afraid of David. The Saul was David's enemy continually. Do you see what the writer is trying to tell us over and over again? Do you see it? Do you see how over and over again, the writer of 1 Samuel 18 wants us to understand that despite Saul's jealousy. Despite his paranoia and his insecurity and his plots and his schemes and all his tricks, God was determined to bless David. God was determined to exalt David and help David be successful. This ultimately means that every time Saul did something sneaky and something corrupt and he tried to get David killed in battle, what Saul was really doing is he was fighting against God. He was fighting against God every time he fought against David. He was fighting against the will of God. He was fighting against God's choice to be the next king of Israel. That is a battle, my friends, that Saul was going to lose every single time. He was going to lose that every single time, no matter how determined he was to destroy David. God wasn't going to let that happen. God wasn't going to let Saul prevail. God was going to protect David and do everything he could to make sure David was successful. In fact, I want to submit that in verse five in verse five of this chapter we're reading from. Verse five is really a summary statement of David's life at this time, at this particular time. Notice how verse five says, verse five says that no matter what assignment. No matter what assignment King Saul gave to David, he succeeded. He he prospered. He went from a teenage shepherd boy who had flocks and herds to someone who rose to be a general in Saul's army. He, He was someone who rose to be a leader of men. And a great warrior of God, he was someone who rose to be worthy of respect and adoration and praise from all of the people of Israel. All of that was possible because of God. God exalted David and God was with David during these very successful times in his life. But not only was God with David during these successful times in his life, He also is with David as we continue to study his story throughout this year. We're going to see that he was with David during the low times in his life. During the times when he's rock bottom. During the times when he has to run and he has to hide and he has to duck and dodge and hide in the wilderness from this wicked king Saul. God is always, he is always with David. And David, David knew that and he trusted God. He knew that and he trusted God. Will you go in your Bible, please, to Psalm 22. Keep your place at 1 Samuel 18. But I want to invite you, please, to Psalm 22. For those of you who are part of this church family, if you remember a couple of years ago, as part of our Bible reading, we read from the wisdom literature. Remember that? Remember, we read the books that make up the wisdom literature portion of the Bible And that included reading reading the Psalms. We read the Psalms. The Psalms are very beautiful and very spiritually rich. And I want to show you some things from the Psalms. Many of the Psalms were written by David. And one of those Psalms is Psalm 22. And in Psalm 22, in verse number 1, in Psalm 22, in verse 1, David prays to God and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me far from my deliverance or the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you did not answer and by night. But I have no rest. Drop down to verse six, please. Verse six. But I am a worm. I'm a worm and not a man. A reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag their heads saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You you made me trust when upon my mother's breast. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me and ravening in a ravening and a, a roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And He lay me in the dust of the earth, uh, in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed con- encompassed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I count all my bones, they look, they stare at me, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now, let's just stop right there for just a moment. This is a very, very powerful psalm. Wouldn't you agree? This is a powerful psalm. And one of the things that makes it so powerful is many of the things mentioned in this psalm took place when Jesus died on the cross, right? Right? I mean, verse 1 is quoted by Jesus when he dies on the cross. Verse 8 is said by the enemies of Jesus while he is dying on the cross. Verse 18 takes place among the Roman soldiers while he is dying on the cross. And as verse 16 says, Jesus has his, has his hands and his feet pierced while he is dying on the cross. This is a very messianic psalm, but it is important to point out that like many of the Psalms, this psalm was also originally written by David and it was very likely written by David while he was being hunted by Saul. You see, David, David may be describing this time in his life as so horrible and so overbearing that it felt like, it felt like God had forsaken him. It it felt like God had abandoned him. It felt like God had turned his back against him, and everybody wanted to see him fail, and he had nowhere to go. That's how David feels at this time in his life. But notice what the psalm goes on to say in verse 19. See, one of the reasons why people struggle with Jesus quoting from this psalm while he's dying on the cross is because they just look at the first verse. They don't read the whole psalm. And so in verse 19, David goes on to say, But you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. From the horns of the wild oxen, you answered me. I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he was. He heard, he heard. Do you see the transition? Do you see the shift that takes place in the text? I submit that being able to see that is absolutely critical to being able to really understand what Jesus is saying when he quotes from this psalm on the cross and why Jesus even quotes from this psalm out of all the psalms he could have quoted from when dying on the cross. Notice how David says here in the context, in the original context, that despite having some feelings of despair and anxiety and fear and feelings of being forsaken by being hunted by this royal enemy, He continued to trust God. He continued to have confidence in God and faith in God. He knew that while it seemed like God had forsaken him, the reality was God hadn't forsaken him. God hadn't turned his back against him. God hadn't stopped listening to his cries. God was still close to him, watching over him, listening to his prayers and ready to save him and deliver him and vindicate him in his time. David knew that that was true. When he was going through that rough moment in his life and you know who else knew that was true? Jesus knew it was true while he was dying on the cross. In fact, highlighting David's unwavering trust in God will only help us better understand many of the decisions David's going to make in his life as we continue studying his story throughout the course of this year. It's going to help us understand better why he doesn't kill Saul. When he has multiple opportunities to do so it's going to help us better understand how he's able to endure many dark and difficult days when he's finally made the king of israel it's going to help us better understand how he's able to move on and press on and keep going in service to god after losing the first child that's born to him in bethsheba you see no matter what enemies and challenges and trials and problems came his way David always put his trust in God. He always had confidence in God. He always knew that God never utterly forsook him or deserted him in his life. And here is the application question. The application question is, are you like him? Are you like David? Are you? I'm talking about you. Are you like David was at this time in his life? I mean, right now, as you examine your own life, are you someone who trusts God? Do you trust God? Do you trust God? Not just in the Goliath moments. Not just in the moments of victory. Not just in the moments of success. Not just in the moments when everything in life is going your way and people are singing your praises, but also in the Saul moments. Also in the moments when everything in your life seems to be falling apart. Everything in your life seems to be going wrong. You're facing all kind of problems. You're facing all kind of challenges. You're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling raising your kids. You're struggling with bullies at your school or bullies on your job. You're struggling with finding a job. You're struggling with restoring a prodigal child. Or a prodigal, a grandchild, or maybe you're struggling with some sickness and pain and and, and problems in your body. Like David, do you trust God during the Goliath moments of life and during the Saul moments of life? And like David, do you have humility? Do you have humility right now in your life? You know, one of the things that has always impressed me about David, one of the reasons why I love him so much He's a very humble person. You ever notice that? Very humble man. We see that when we go back to one Samuel 18. Will you go back there, please? Notice verse 18 again. In verse 18 of one Samuel 18, the Bible says that even though at this time people are singing David's praises. Even though he's just killed Goliath, even though he's offered one of the king's daughters for a wife, he says, who am I? Who am I that I should be the king's son-in-law? You see the humility there? Who am I? And then in verse number 20, when we learn that Michael, another one of Saul's daughters, she loved David. It says when they told Saul the thing was agreeable to him, Saul thought I would give her to him that she may become a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore, Saul said to David for a second time, you may be my son-in-law. Notice he's trying to set him up. He's trying to set him up. But verse 22, it says, Then Saul commanded his servant, Speak to David secretly, saying, Behold, the king delights in you, and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son in law. So Saul's servant spoke these words to David. But David said, Is it trivial in your sight to become the king's son in law, since I am a poor man? And what? Lightly esteemed. Lightly esteemed. Are you kidding me? You just defeated Goliath. You're a mighty man of of victory. You're a mighty warrior in the king of Israel. Do you see how David is very humble? No matter what success he has, no matter how he defeated a, a Philistine giant that nobody else could defeat, David never gets the big head. He never thinks too highly of himself. He never lists all of his accomplishments in his resume. He tries to exalt himself above other people. Does that describe us right now? Does that describe us? In our lives, are we humble? Are we humble servants of God? Or are we the kind of people who are always trying to exalt ourselves and get credit and glory and high esteem from other people? Like David, do you trust God? And are you humble? And then finally, let me ask this. Do you seek God's approval? Do you seek God's approval in your life? This one right here is actually one of the big contrasts that the Holy Spirit gives us between Saul and David. You see, unlike Saul, who was mainly concerned with pleasing people and holding power in position, David's main focus was always serving God. It was always gaining approval from the Lord, not gaining approval from men. This is why he is a man after God's own heart. This is why he is successful. This is why God is always with him. This is why his enemies could never prevail against him above anything else in his life. David's chief concern ultimately was gaining the Lord's approval. And if we're going to be like David, then guess what? That's got to be our chief concern as well. As Christians, as husbands, as wives, as children, as parents, as workers on our jobs or students or citizens of this country, or even when we're on our social media pages, our chief priority in life should always be to seek the Lord's approval. David cared about what the Lord thought, not about what people thought. And what I just want you to see this morning is that this portion of David's life, we see it's a big roller coaster ride. It's a roller coaster ride. It's got ups, it's got downs, highs and lows, peaks and valleys, good times and bad times. But through it all, what does he do? He serves God. He loves the Lord. He seeks the Lord's approval. And the question is, what about you? What about you right now in your life? Are you serving God? Do you seek the Lord's approval? Or are you seeking, first and foremost, to find favor with God? If you sit there this morning and realize that you do not have favor with God this morning, then you have an opportunity to get favor with God. Whether that means responding to the word of God for the first time through faith and repentance and baptism, or if it means to repent because you know you haven't been living a faithful Christian life. And ask us to encourage you and pray with you and pray for you. If there's anyone here this morning who needs to gain the Lord's approval, come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's